One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does, they charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey. Hi. Welcome back to Old Millennials. A deep dive on shallow topics from the late 90s and early 2000s. I'm one of your hosts, Margot Bupard. And I'm your other host, Emily Beijin. And welcome to season two. As NSYNC once said, here we go one more time. Everybody feeling fine. Here we go now. Yes, yes, yes. Here we go. We have the flow. That we do. Well, if by flow you mean supercharged cars and really cool drag racing (laughs) and people that can't, well, I mean, I guess it's sort of like Game of Thrones where, like, the acting ability is debatable, but acting ability, question mark? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I hope you have your seatbelts in your roll cage ready to go because today we're talking about Fast and Furious, the franchise. Well... The original trilogy, to be more accurate, we're going to talk about Fast and Furious OG, Too Fast, Too Furious, also the song by Ludacris for the movie Too Fast, Too Furious. We're going to talk about Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift and end it with Fast and Furious, Fuck the Thes, the soft reboot that happened. uh, That is why we have the franchise that we have now. Yeah. I know. It's a lot to take in. I feel like I'm really high on Fast and Furious facts. Because all I've been doing for the last less than a week is watching old Fast and Furious movies and reading up on the feud between The Rock and Vin Diesel and Tyrese. I watched three Fast and Furious franchise movies yesterday. I don't think anyone should ever watch that many movies from that franchise in one day. I don't know. I feel like right now you gotta bone up before Hobbs and Shaw, which will be coming out the day after this drops yep and i for one cannot wait to see it i have never watched a trailer so many times me neither it looks amazing it looks so good and we will touch on the hobbs and shaw spinoff at the end of this podcast but it looks great and i am ready to watch this go down i'm so excited it is kind of insane that a movie that kind of started like a joke is essentially the juggernaut that it is now I mean, you know what? In this day and age, with everything that is going on in the world, if I get to spend some time in an air-conditioned dark movie theater, popcorn in hand, watching two hours of ridiculous, like, gravity-defying stunts that would never, 
ever go down in real life. I mean, it's crazy, the through line of they went from illegal street racing. That's where we started. And yes. now we're at basically it's Mission Impossible with cars, which yeah. I love Mission Impossible. I've seen every single Mission Impossible in theaters. I love that franchise. It can do no wrong. And I've actually have really loved the direction it's taken in the last couple of years anyway. And it's super compelling, even if none of it makes any sense. That's the same thing with Fast and Furious or any good action movie that you can think of is that it doesn't make any sense, but God, it's really fucking entertaining. I, I'm kind of mad at myself for like sitting these out for so long and now watching these movies, enjoying them, realizing they bring me more joy than so many of the more recent rom-com releases that I've just gone to. And I'm like, I hate everyone so much in this movie right now. And I've just been sorely disappointed. So I think I will be getting more fast and more furious in these next I'm, I'm so sorry. The first Fast and Furious came out <laughs> the summer between 8th grade and high school. Yeah. And my best friend had her first like semi-serious boyfriend and they went to go see Fast and Furious. And she tried to convince me at first. She's like, "It's actually really good. Like I think you'd really like it. The guy who gets shot by the gang." She's like, "I was so sad when he dies." Jesse, yeah. I think. It is Jesse. Jesse. It's always a fucking Jesse. Mm-hmm. Jesse's are always a mark. If you're a Jesse in a movie, you're definitely dead or you're a, a lot of bad shit's going to happen to you. You are a plot martyr. And you do not get a happy ending. <laughs> anyway, she's like, "I cried when Jesse dies in the middle of the movie and blah blah blah." I was like, "Bullshit. You guys were probably like making out the whole fucking time. What movie did you see?" Anyway, I eventually relented, went to go see it, and I was like, it is really good, and I was sad when Jesse gets mowed down in front of that sad house in Eagle Rock or wherever the fuck they were. Yeah. It was, it is compelling stuff, and every movie is a good, bad movie, which is something that I strive to constantly watch, and I think it really delivers on its premise. Well, and, like, knowing that this was, you know, Point Break, but with cars, and Point Break is one of my favorite good, bad movies... Well, there is like a, a Via Candidos nudge yeah. in one of the ones Gal that you watch. Yeah, Via Candidos at one point. <clears throat> I'm like, okay, all right there, Bodie. <laughs> but also, these movies are a lot like other movies. I mean, in the sense that uh, even like Hobbs and Shaw, in a, in a weird way, is a lot like Fast and Furious 2, where it's like an ex-cop and an ex-con have to team together to take down some larger villain that's greater than themselves. But... If we want to go in order, I have these ordered out. I don't know if you want to talk about gross in addition to um, my fun fact tidbits that I have, but I can just go in order and then we can go back and talk about who made the most money and stuff. Yeah, I think the the overview we can just bring up is this the biggest Universal's biggest franchise of all time. Yes. They also have Harry Potter. They have a combined gross with the Fast franchise of $5 billion. It's basically Dr. Evil money. So, we have The Fast and the Furious from 2001. I have a fun fact here. The original screenwriter of this movie is Gary Scott Thompson. He also wrote K911 with John Belushi, Hollow Man with Kevin Bacon, and most importantly, especially if you know anything about my particular brand, he wrote 88 motherfucking minutes. Hoo! Show me your hands! Our Pacino stan is amongst us. <laughs> and specifically this movie. Like, you want to talk about a good, bad movie. This man... Knows good, bad movies. I can fully endorse 88 Minutes and also The Fast and the Furious. Anyway, I cannot tell you how hard it's been for me to keep this a secret from you for the last 24 hours when I found it out. Oh my god, it feels so good to tell you. Oh my god, this is like the last episode where I found out that Newlyweds was originally Michael Jackson and Lisa Marie Presley. 
and you had to keep it from me, and it was difficult. This was my Michael Jackson and Lisa Marie Presley. Okay. And then we have Too Fast, Too Furious from 2003. And then... Chronologically speaking, in terms of like the way that they were shot, comes the Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift in 2006. Chronologically, Tokyo Drift happens between six and seven for two reasons. Two reasons: one, to justify Han's girlfriend dying in six, and also why he ended up running away to Tokyo. And two, technically, Tokyo Drift takes place in the future of 2013. Then we have Fast and Furious from 2009, and those are the ones that we're going to cover today. But obviously, there are more. We have Fast and Five, Fast Five from 2011, Fast and Furious 6, 2013, Furious 7, which outside of Tokyo Drift is the first Fast and Furious movie without Paul Walker, first movie before Fast 9 to be pushed back, obviously because of Paul Walker's death. So there's some obvious sad Fast Furious knowledge to be had around Furious 7. This is also the only one that I've never watched because I personally didn't want to watch the send-off for Paul Walker because they still keep him... They keep his spirit and his memory quite alive mm-hmm. in the franchise going forward. Like in Furious, uh, Fate for Eight of the Furious, the eighth installment. They basically treat it like Brian is still totally alive and he's completely fine. He just has chosen to step away from his family, which is obviously the number one thing that's the most important thing in this movie. Loyalty. <laughs> family and Coronas oh, are the yeah. most important things to happen in this movie. But Brian has stepped away to be a family man. Just him and Mia. Just leave him alone. They don't want to race or do heists or do spy games anymore. He's not dead. He's totally fine. He's completely normal. He's so normal that Vin Diesel names his son after him in Fate of the Furious. Not because he's dead or anything, but because like they're such good friends, but they can't talk anymore. They're not friends. He did but, that in real life, too. But I really, but at least in real life, he acknowledges that Paul Walker is dead. That is true. Okay, but that's I do, true. honestly, as a fan, I do appreciate them doing keeping up this ruse like it is funny but also it's nice to feel like he lives on somewhere so i've never seen seven because i was saddened by what happened but um foot eight of the furious in 2017 i already spilled those facts so the gross it's interesting it culminates like the most amount of money that this entire franchise has made by itself was furious seven where it grossed 553 million dollars um and then after that it's like kind of like a toss-up well it's not really a toss-up like fast six and then fast five both made like well over 200 million dollars and same with fit eight of the furious but the fast and the furious its initial gross was 144 million dollars which is why it was it immediately greenlit a sequel which didn't do as well monetarily didn't do as well critically but did pretty well monetarily the worst grossing and performing movie is tokyo drift so and it has none of the original cast, too, which is, like... Tokyo I, Drift? Yeah. No, it doesn't have any... It has a... Well, we'll get into it, but it has a cameo from original cast. Right. But, yeah, it's the worst performing one, but it's ironic because Justin Lin, it's his first movie for the franchise. Right. And he'll go on to completely shape the franchise, mostly because he made this movie. But, anyway, that's all the facts that I have in the order of movies. Um, I will go into the history a little of how these all come to be. So... Um, in the late 90s, director Rob Cohen, he's the guy who directs the first Fast and the Furious, he was inspired to make this film after he had read a 1998 uh, article in Vibe magazine that was called... Vibe! Vibe! (laughs) That's right. Late 90s. Sorry, I didn't just... Magazines. Wow. Okay. I haven't heard Vibe tossed out as a name in in print casually in quite some time. There is a lot of um, product placement also in these earlier movies that I had 
were brands that I'd forgotten about. Sure, yeah. And a lot of Nissans that I <laughs> that all look the same. Mitsubishi. And Nissans. Yes. Anyway, go ahead. Anyway, so there's an article called Racer X about street racing in New York City. And, uh, and it's all about watching an illegal street race one night in L.A. Um, and so the film's original title was Red Line, and then it was later changed to Fast and the Furious. Basically, they wanted this movie to be, they sold it to Paul Walker as being like point break, mm-hmm. but for drag racing. Which right. literally, the plot of the first movie, if you put the two together and you watch them back to back, you're like, oh yeah, totally. Walker, like Paul Walker's character is Johnny Utah. Vin Diesel is totally Patrick Swayze. And then, like, Jordana Brewster is obviously, what's her name? Uh, Tank Girl. Lori Petty. Lori Petty's role. Anyway, so on and so forth. Neil Moritz, one of the producers, had worked with Paul Walker on The Skulls. That came oh, out, my God. Right? right? I'd forgotten about that. With Josh Jackson? Yes. Skulls? Yes. Where I was like, oh, my God, is this what college is going to be like? Spoiler, it's fucking nothing it's like that. Nothing, like, no one's going to ask you to join. Well, I didn't go to a college where we had secret societies. That's strictly. <laughs> that we didn't go to Ivy League schools. No, no, that's strictly Ivy League. And then, like, if I could have gotten into UVA in Virginia, like, that's a secret society school as well. They've got, like, crazy traditions. But anyway. Creepy. Very. But I did like Skulls. It's a good movie. Um, I haven't, I mean, I'm sure it's really problematic in current conditions, but <laughs> I remember enjoying it mostly because of the Josh Jackson of it all. Okay. I love Josh Jackson. That's my little aside. <laughs> um, he, so he was offered the role of Brian from the get-go and he accepted it. Sure. The next person that they cast for Dom, it was originally going to be Timothy Oliphant because uh, mm-hmm. Dawn in 60 Seconds had just come out. And Timothy Oliphant was like, Oliphant was just like, no, this is not my thing. Um, so he declined. And they decided to put um, Vin Diesel in it because he had just been in, not Triple X, Pitch Black. Am I remembering that? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. So uh, basically, that's who gets cast. Um, and then for the female roles, they cast Michelle Rodriguez as Vin Diesel's girlfriend, Letty. And they cast Jordana Brewster as uh, Vin Diesel's um, sister, Mia, who later becomes Paul Walker's uh, love interest. Both of them didn't have driver's licenses when they filmed, so they had to get driver's licenses. There's a lot of that throughout this franchise, I've found. There's a, it's kind of baffling to me that so many people associated with this franchise do not have a driver's license. Yeah, I know. They're not New Yorkers, so I don't understand what their excuse is. Well, and interesting, especially because most of them after that become huge racing enthusiasts. Like, they all end up in real life, a lot of them getting really into it. Well, Paul Walker did a lot of his stunts. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, when they're filming this movie, I mean, this is, so it's Rob Cohen who who directs it, and he, before that, had done, this is interesting, The Wiz, Witches of Eastwick, like, some movies that I did not expect, or, like, he, that's when he was, like, producing and developing those, and then later on goes into Fast and Furious. Okay. Uh, very interesting. Uh, so th- during this filming of this movie, there were 78 cars that were wrecked both on and off screen, which makes perfect sense considering like the crazy stunts that happened. Right. Um, an alternate ending was actually filmed for this movie. Oh, really? Yes. It's called More Than Furious. Um, <laughs> I think it's available on the DVD, the first movie. Uh, in, in the alternate ending, and I guess I'll bring that up in a second, but first I'll go into plot that probably makes more sense. Okay. Um, basically, as you most of you know, 
if you've seen Fast and Furious, uh, we begin with Paul Walker, whose name is Brian. He starts O'Connor. Out, he well, is like the corniest name. So, but before then, he's Brian. I'm forgetting his last name, but he goes by something else originally. And we how know, departed of him. I know he goes <laughs> by something else at first, and we just know him as this dude who's from Tucson who did time at one point and has an Arizona license as a result. And so he kind of befriends. He tries to befriend Vin Diesel and the gang. He keeps hanging out at their like cafe, the family's cafe. And, uh, like, there's uh, that one guy whose name I'm blanking on right now who's, like, really kind of getting jealous because he likes Jordana Brewster's character and he's always flirting with her. Anyway, it leads to a drag race where Vin Diesel ends up, Paul Walker's like, or his name is Brian, he's like, yo, and he gets introduced to Dom, who's Vin Diesel's character. And Dom is like, he races against Dom, he's like, I'll give you the pink slip to my car if you, if I win, if I lose this race. And he ends up losing it, so he gives him the pink slip. But later, the cops come, so then they have to go off, and that's when they end up in, uh, like, Little Saigon in LA, and Johnny Tran and his gang, like, basically bash the car, shoot up the car. So now Paul Walker is kind of indebted to Vin Diesel and has to work on the car. And they strike up a friendship, and slowly but surely, Brian's character joins that kind of friend group and that gang of people who race cars. Meanwhile, what we find out in kind of tw like an hour, half an hour into the movie, maybe 45, we find out that Brian is, in fact, Brian O'Connor. He is a cop, an undercover cop, who is investigating a series of heists that have been happening where people, drag racers, have been attacking truck drivers and then stealing their shit. Um, and just like Point Break, you know, he's undercover. He has to befriend this group. He has to become an expert in their th thing. So for Point Break, it was surfing. For this, it's drag racing. Um, meanwhile, he also ends up striking up a relationship with Jordana Brewster's character, who is Mia. That's Dom's sister. And then uh, they hit it off. He's like, if you break your heart, I'll break your neck. Not, I'm like going into all the plot details, by the way. But essentially, over time, they they are leading up to something called race wars. While they're trying to, find oh my god, yeah. In retrospect, maybe you should have named it something else. <laughs> yeah, which uh, was filmed at the San Bernardino Airport, by the way. Over 1,500 racing enthusiasts were used as extras. Really terrible name, considering that this is. I will say, like for a franchise, like a very multiracial casting and like. Over okay, time, calm down, Tyrese. <laughs> <laughs> We'll one family under one race car. Uh, but anyway, uh, so long story short, you know, Paul Walker's character, Brian O'Connor's trying to figure out, like, uh, along with the rest of the cops, are trying to figure out who are the people doing these heists. Originally, they think it's Johnny Tran's gang because, like, he's been really aggressive. And they'd also seen in his garage, they had found, like, VCRs and stuff because this is 2001. Eventually, they try to arrest this guy and they find out it's not him, like, apart from some weapons charges. Like, he's not the guy and it's clearly Vin D It's clearly Dom and his friends. And so, uh, he, they go off to race wars and, um, <laughs> I hate that I'll have to say that again. And, uh, Jesse, who's one of the friends in the friend group races against Johnny Tran and has his pink slip, gives him the pink slip if he loses. And that's his dad's car. So when his dad gets out of prison, like he had hoped to give the car back to his dad, he loses. And then he just like runs off and, and like, it just goes off and like Johnny Tran's like. I'm going to kill this guy. Meanwhile, uh, Paul Walker, or sorry, Brian finds out that they're like Vin Diesel, Dom and his friends are going to go do another heist. He has to confess to Mia that he is in fact a cop and like his, that they're in huge danger if they do this. Basically, uh, they later, it all ends up in a high speed chase, of course, where there's a heist that tries to happen and they like, people almost die. And then finally, um, 
Brian O'Connor has to reveal to uh, Dom and everyone that he's in fact a cop in order to save their lives. And then uh, at the and then he ends up at the end giving um, Dom the ability to escape. Uh, they oh, and this other. gets referenced in Too Fast, Too Furious. They get they they race each other in one final race before he does that, <laughs> and then they get into an accident, of course. And uh, throughout the movie, there's a running gag about um, Paul Walker having to give Vin Diesel a quote ten second car instead of a ten minute car. And so Paul Walker, um, um, Brian O'Connor gives Dom his car at the end, and he goes off and escapes, getting arrested. And that is kind of the plot of Fast and the Furious. I did a really bad job doing that. Sorry, guys. But anyway, um, the alternate ending, More Than Furious, was filmed in which Tanner, who's Brian's boss at the, at the in the police, drops Brian off at the Toretto house where he encounters Mia packing, intending to move away. And this is towards the end. Brian reveals that he resigned from the LAPD, who let him go quietly, and that he wants another chance with her. When Mia tells him it's not going to be that simple, Brian tells her that he's got time. Because in the original movie, or in the movie's original ending, um, it well, it's the actual ending. Mia goes off, chooses her family yeah. over Paul, over Brian O'Connor when uh, Vin Diesel has to escape because family and loyalty, family, family, all of that, very important. So that is the Fast and the Furious. In terms of the numbers, as we talked about earlier, it was a commercial success internationally it grossed over 200 million dollars on it worldwide on a budget of 38 million dollars it has a 53 percent rating on rotten tomatoes which is actually one of the higher rated fast I was and furious gonna, movies yeah i was gonna lead um, with the rotten tomato scores of the two movies i'm gonna be talking about and quick some some very quick observations here this is really a movie where new metal rap rock have their time to shine I believe Roland. I'm going to challenge you and see you at Tokyo Drift, and you will understand. It will become clear in the fullness of time as to why I am saying this. Roland by Limp Bizkit, um, Area Codes by Ludacris, a foreshadowing to sequel's <laughs> casting, perhaps. Ja Rule is in the beginning in a drag race scene, which is an interesting story that I'm sure he you're... comes back again. He comes back around. Don't worry. <laughs> And some of, some of the other notable things, Michelle Rodriguez, one of her first quotes in the movie, they get to the drag race, and Vin Diesel immediately gets hit on by these blonde chicks, and then she comes up to him, she's like, I smell skanks. Why don't you girls just pack it up before I leave tread marks on your face? That's how we learn. Like, we are like, oh, she's a tough girl. Um, and another thing, obviously, um, floppy disks. A lot of other technology that... That's the other thing with Fast and Furious movies. Don't get though. me started on floppy disks. I recently rewatched The Net, so <laughs> I am full up on floppy disks. It's interesting that this came about re-watching The Fast and the Furious, that is, uh, for this podcast. But also, I'm writing on an action sketch comedy show. And oh, so I've been yeah. watching a bunch of random action movies. So I've seen Point Break recently... I've watched the first three Fast and Furious movies. I'm like, and the net now. I'm like really pumped up. Like, floppy disks? Got them. You want to order a pizza off pizza.net? I got you. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> the final thing that I want to bring up, other than the amount of Von Dutch that's being worn throughout these movies. And, like, I mean, I know this is politically incorrect to say, but also wife beaters. Like, a lot of dudes. Oh, yeah. Oh, in yeah. ribbed tanks. It's just a strange. Girls with, like, low, like, tight tops and really baggy bottoms. I feel like I could have done a whole section on the fashion of all of these movies, but that would have to be its own episode because truly it would take hours. 
And then the final thing to note is that Jesse's Jetta that we see in this movie, because um, by the way, Jesse dies at the end at the hands of Johnny Tran. R.I.P. Yeah. But he was destined to go to MIT, as Paul Walker stated. He should have gone to MIT, but because Jesse had ADD, he was like, that wasn't his thing. And then Frankie Muniz at one point owned Jesse's Jetta. So he had- because he was a fan of the movie? He's actually a racing enthusiast. Well, I know that because he, like, races cars now, and that's a whole other thing. So I think it was a bit of both. Um, Okay. But, yeah, that's really what I have to say. But what about, did you look into, because I saw a thing recently on, is it Deadspin? What's the car part of Jezebel? Jalopnik? Yeah. On Jalopnik, they had a a little article about the producer, Chris Lieberman, I believe. Yeah, you were saying. Yeah, he he owned a lot of the cars that were used in the first Fast and Furious, and also in a couple of the other ones as well. And he, in particular, like, souped up the Nissan that Brian drives, and so that's an interesting tidbit. But all of the movies have, like, a little fun fact this guy souped up his PT Cruiser for this scene, or this is actually somebody's car, but they used a lot of his cars in particular. Oh, really? Because he's, like, a big gearhead. Yeah. I just didn't think it would be really interesting to read off a bunch of car-making no. models. I, I mean, I could, I guess, but I also wouldn't really fully know what I was saying. Well, I'm just, like, I'm sure maybe audience correct us if we're wrong, but I don't think all of you are, are listening to us for our car knowledge. I don't think so. No. And if you are, I'm so sorry. You're very disappointed right now, I'm sure. But thanks for listening. hmm So that's what I have to say about The Fast and The Furious 1. Original sauce. Original sauce. And I apologize <laughs> for my long plot. Well, we can trim it down in editing. Don't worry. <laughs> All right. I have Too Fast, Too Furious, and also The Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift, which chronologically in terms of when they were shot, not chronologically in terms of the Fast and the Furious universe, were shot back-to-back, and they also have some of the lower Rotten Tomato scores at 38 and 36% respectively. Mm. So I was just going to go through both movies back-to-back, essentially. I mean, there's like a couple years in between them, but it's a little bit of time before we get to Fast and Furious. So I'm just going to go in. So Too Fast, Too Furious, an overview of the synopsis is ex-LAPD cop Brian O'Connor, Paul Walker, obviously, teams up with his ex-con friend, Roman Pierce, and it's the introduction of Roman Pierce, played by Tyrese Gibson. Great addition. Yep. I mean, it's interesting. John Singleton is single-handedly responsible for not only the character of Tej, which is played by ludicrous Chris Bridges, (laughs) but also for bringing in Tyrese into the entire franchise because they had just finished working together on Baby Boy right before this was shot. And that's right before Four Brothers, right? Yes, I think it's this, and then he goes into Four Brothers, I believe, is the order of his IMDb credits. But anyway, so we get introduced to ex-con and friend of Brian O'Connor, Roman Pierce, played by Tyrese Gibson, and they work with an undercover U.S. Customs agent named Monica Fuentes, played by Eva Mendez, and they move operations over to Miami, and they have to take down, together, they have to take down their drug lord, slash villain of Too Fast, Too Furious, Carter Verone, played by Cole Hauser, as you pointed out. Who normally is a redhead, but I should add, and so naturally is not that tan. Yeah, as I described, and I know that this was lost on you, but maybe it won't be lost on someone listening, but he looks like Barb from the most recent season of The Real Housewives of New York, just covered in spray tan. Like, if you left him in an all-white room, 
there would be streaks on the corners of furniture. So anyway, that's, that is the overall plot of Too Fast, Too Furious. This is the beginning of the franchise's precarious view on how sentencing works because Brian gets roped into this initial plot because he gets the opportunity to wipe his record clean if he can bring down Carter Verone, who they just refer to as Verone, but... When I remembered, and when I also heard while I was watching the movie, this first name is fucking Carter. I don't know why, but the whole thing started making me laugh. I'm like, Carter Verone is like the least hard name ever. No. He could have totally made up any name. Like, no one would ever check him. Like, He's... he couldn't be called, like, the Kingpin or Dinosaur Arms. I don't know. Like, something a little bit more interesting than Carter Verone. There were probably, like, four Carter Verones in a local fourth grade class at this point. Are you sure? That's a pretty popular... In Florida? Maybe not in Florida. California. I don't know. I, I'm going to challenge your census numbers. I don't buy it. Carter's a pretty popular name now. Maybe not. I mean, I it is. Uh, actually, my friend just had a baby and she named him Carter. But I just thought Carter Verone for a drug kingpin was a strange name no. that I wouldn't have personally picked. No. Anyway, Too Fast to Too Furious was greenlit after the success of Fast and the Furious box office. When those came back and those receipts were so big. And I think overseas it was a huge hit. They immediately greenlit this, but it had to be pushed back to accommodate changes to the cast and crew side. So the initial director of Fast and Furious, Rob Cohen, declined to come back. I will get into that in a second. So they ended up swooping John Singleton, R.I.P., which is a pretty prestigious get for this franchise, especially at the time. The story was by my guy, my favorite screenwriter, 88 Minutes writer, Gary Scott Thompson, and like four other dudes. Vin Diesel refused to come back because he thought that the script was inferior to the first one, but they actually wrote two versions of the script, one that featured Vin Diesel and one that did not, in case they could somehow sway him to come back. But instead, he refused, and instead him and Rob Cohen teamed back up, and they went and developed Triple X together, and that was actually a huge success, and they spawned two other movies. The most recent Triple X, he skis down a mountain that has no snow on it. It's incredible. I mean, I think the whole plot of the movie is, like, he's trying to save soccer or something. Anyway, the stunts are great. I highly recommend. It's, like, the dumbest movie. I laughed a bunch. That's all I know. And also Sam Jackson's in it. Okay, back to Too Fast, Too Furious. Singleton brought in Tyrese as Roman Pierce. And then we were also introduced to the character of Tej, and who was ostensibly gone from... <laughs> A drag race promoter in Too Fast, Too Furious to a hacker since Fast Five, basically. Quite seamlessly. There's there's no real finessing. Like, suddenly, in this movie, he's Tej, the drag race promoter, and he's, like, hooking Brian up with races and, like, giving him in and fixing up his cars and hooking him up with deals and stuff. And then come the reboot, the soft reboot, suddenly he's, like, a hacker and can, like, get into stuff. A true millennial, though, you know? Many career changes. <laughs> I guess. I just, I mean, I guess it's kind of like ludicrous Chris Bridges in real life. He is like a MacGyver. He can, and a chameleon. He can kind of do whatever. He can learn on his feet. He's like quick-witted, and he's got some funny jokes along the way, and he's grounding, but also the comic relief, but also he can get shit done. So, you know what? Whatever. I, I think it's great that Ludacris has been able to stay with the franchise for so long. Anyway, they moved production to Miami, and it was conceived to be a standalone sequel just starring Paul Walker. Verone's Mansion, oh, this is just a quick aside, Verone's Mansion was previously owned by none other, the other action star, Sylvester Stallone. Of course. (laughs) And another fun fact about the movie, John Singleton encouraged improv on set, which is where the quote-unquote funny parts of the movie come from. (laughs) 
I really don't know what those funny parts are. There is a fight where Paul Walker and Tyrese get into like a physical fight, like in the dirt outside of Tyrese's trailer where he does drag racing for like what looks like a county fair. But he has the ankle bracelet because... Because he recently was released from prison. And then I do love their little heart-to-heart where in the background you can see a bridge made famous from True Lies, that seven-mile bridge in Marathon, Florida. When they have that little heart-to-heart and Tyrese is like, you let Dom get away because he was your friend. He's like, yeah, and also because I couldn't do that for you. So, you know, there's some closure there. But before that, they have to get into a little fight outside of the trailer in a little dust-up. And there are some jokes that happen there. But initially, that scene was conceived to be a basketball game where Brian (laughs) has to go essentially three-on-one. It's him versus Roman and his two brothers. One of them would have been played by Fabulous. What? Yeah, you heard me. You fucking heard me. Uh, One of the other actors that had an adjective as their rapper name. Oh, Fabulous? Yeah. Yeah, I know. And also, the other part was supposed to be played by an actual professional basketball player who was in Space Jam. Just a little... Anyway, Luda's part almost went to Redman, but eventually he dropped out due to scheduling conflicts. And this is the only fast movie that doesn't feature a cameo from Vin Diesel, mostly because he was shooting Triple X. But John Singleton initially wanted Ja Rule to reprise his role from the first movie, but Ja Rule thought that he was too big at the time for whatever reason. This was also before Firefest happened, and we all heard him talk on a conference call about what constitutes fraud and false advertisement. But... Anyway, it all turned out for the best. <laughs> um, ja Rule actually wanted to play Tyrese's character, and John Singleton basically said, LOL, no. <laughs> I love to talk about the tech in action movies because so much of it makes no sense and also doesn't exist. So they use pretty frequently throughout this movie, especially to capture Brian in the opening race that happens in what I initially thought was L.A., but then I'm later told is Miami, but looked a lot like L.A., and they do shoot, they they shot a lot of it in Florida, but they also do a little bit of cheating in this movie and also in Tokyo Drift where they shot a, a huge amount in Los Angeles. They just flew in Japanese extras instead, which I suppose is cheaper depending on what production budget's like. I don't know. That was a little bit perplexing to me what those reasons would be, but maybe they have strict stunting rules or something. Anyway. So, they use an electrical device, the police do, to disable the cars, and it's also non-existent. The way that they would do it, it was they would essentially do, like, a harpoon shot out to the car, and it would send out this, like, electrical pulse that would slow down the car, but also track it, but also it couldn't leave. But Brian ends up ripping it off the side of the car anyway, and it was fine. Yeah. It was a little bit of a strange technology flex that I don't know that the story necessarily needed. Guys said earlier... The plot of Too Fast, Too Furious is kind of similar to the forthcoming Hobbs and Shaw. But to be fair, Idris Elba's Black Superman character is not just some random drug dealer with a beeper a la wire. Anyway, Eva Mendez's character, Monica Fuentes, was written as a new love interest for Brian. But they don't really have sex or like hook up in the movie, but they try and hint to it a lot. And it was really confusing. And they they definitely do a lot to confuse you about what their relationship status is. Like, Roman refers to her as Brian's girl in a couple of scenes. And then there's also a scene where she shows up on the houseboat that they're staying on and her hair is all wet. And you can't tell if it's because she swam there or if it's because she stayed overnight and then took a shower. But either way, she was just like a temporary fix in 
this movie that was supposed to be just like the adventures of Brian and maybe by the next movie we can get Dom to come back kind of like stalling in a way mm-hmm. and same goes for Jordana Brewster who returns as Mia and Fast and Furious in 2009 and they reconcile Eva Mendes does return as Monica in an after credit scene in Fast Five but is uncredited so they do try to do their best to like tie all of them and keep them in universe and they've done a pretty commendable job considering the amount of cast that they have. I mean, there's so many people who have been in this movie. And some fun little tidbits. This is the only Fast and Furious movie not to feature a major character death, which, forewarning, I'm going to spoil the major character death that happens in Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift. So just know that. And although it wasn't critically successful, it was still a box office success, enough to greenlit Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift. Which is now kind of considered a cult classic among the franchise, mostly thanks to the revisionist history that has come in the later movies that borrow very heavily from Tokyo Drift and try and tie it. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. A little bit more into the franchise as canon, and that obviously has a lot to do with Justin Lin being the director. But in case you haven't seen it, the synopsis is an American teenager named Sean as a loner in high school. He challenges a rival for an illegal street race, and he totals his car at the end of the race. But the kid that he challenged, who is Zachary Ty Bryan from Home Improvement, I will talk about that in one (laughs) second. Just hang on, Emily. One minute. So, and Zachary Ty Bryan and his girlfriend character in this movie are really rich and so they manage to avoid jail time and but he is poor and from a poor family so he won't be so lucky so the compromise is that he's sent to tokyo to live with his father who is in the military and as soon as he arrives he immediately gets sucked into the drift racing and street racing world in tokyo but i wanted to circle back really quick to too fast too furious because i forgot and this is why i should have written it down but i I thought i was gonna remember i want to talk about the rat bucket scene oh my god Oh, gross. I just want to talk about it because it, again, was like typical, like, I'm a fucking bad guy. I'm going to, like, put this bucket on this corrupt cop's stomach and I'm going to heat it up. And, like, when the rat freaks out, he's going to dig through your organs. (laughs) Who asked to watch Saw, you know? Like, it just was really strange. And I was, it was weird to me that this was the tip off that he was really evil. Not all of the drugs, no. not the weird audition thing that he put them through. No, no, no. This whole corrupt cop thing is really what is bizarre. How do you decide that's the way you're going to torture someone? That's like, I mean, you, that's like spending some time pondering. Like, how am I going to 
torture my my crooked detective who's been working for me like who sort of saves the day and then also ruins it in the movie yeah but i think the best scene is the endless stream of cars that come out of ludicrous slash what's his name denny whoever that yeah jimmy i forget the dude that's in the painter's coveralls the whole time that you think after the first scene you won't ever see him again but then you do you see everyone from the first scene again in that scene. Yes, everybody comes back in Too yeah, Fast, like Too Yeah, like, Michael Ely's there, like... There are t- also too many, like, weird, semi-racist jokes. Like, Tyrese Mm-mm. calls the Latin dudes who follow him, like, Ilion Gonzalez, yeah. And, like, Desi Arnaz. And, like, he just, like, says a lot of really off-color things. And I know that... We talk a lot about movies that don't age well, but there was some writing that definitely did not age well. Which is unfortunate, because from a casting standpoint, they have done a pretty good job with representation in this cast. I will say they've played to stereotypes in the earlier movies, for Well, sure. yeah, they have Devin Aoki in a Hello Kitty car, basically, because she's Asian. Of course, and a girl. Right. So it's got to be hot pink. Of course. Right? But that segues in nicely to Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift because the initial car race, because every movie sort of, at least the trilogy, the original trilogy, follows a very similar formula where there's like an initial race where the new dude, the new dude, and by new dude I mean like white guy, so Paul Walker, but in this case for Tokyo Drift, the character Sean, whose name I can't remember, but we're also supposed to believe he's in fucking high school. And I have to tell you, everybody who's supposed to be playing a high school student in this movie looks a good 10 years older than they should be in high school. Lucas Black? Is that the actor? Sure. I think so. I didn't write it down because I don't think he's been in anything else since. But his love interest, Neela or Neely or whatever, who is played by Natalie Emmanuel or Kelly, I could look it up, but I'm not going to. She is in Dynasty. She's in the reboot of Dynasty. And she was also Grace on Unreal. She's gotten a lot of work since Uh. then. Yeah, so she is definitely something that's gone gone on to act. The dude who played Sean did not. But anyway, in the initial race that happens in every movie, he gets challenged by Zachary Ty Bryan um, after they exchange some words about his shitty car and how Zachary's car is like a new Viper and to like suck a dick and he's poor. And the thing that perplexed me the most about this scene is that Zachary Ty Bryan is in a football jersey, but then he throws a perfect baseball into the back windshield of Sean's car. So that was a little bit confusing, and so he gets out, and they're about to fight, and they're like, let's race. No, you're going to race. And well, why would I race for your shitty car, pussy, and like shit like that? And then Zachary Ty Bryan's girlfriend comes out, and she's like, race for me. And I'm going to, like you said, this franchise has never been pretty good to women by no. any stretch of the imagination. But that was particularly troublesome to me. Uh-uh. I, I did not appreciate that. And then they go careening through an unde- sort of like a development, residential development that's half done. And the way that the car crash ends, literally all of them should be dead. Not a single one of them should have lived. Zachary Ty Bryant and his girlfriend drive right into a, like a, um, a concrete cylinder. And then Sean's car flips I don't even know how many times to the point where you can see a shot where his car doesn't have an engine, so it's, like, obviously a stunt car. But you're led to believe that he rolled so many times his fucking engine flew out of his car. (laughs) Makes no sense. Anyway, Justin Lin, this is his first of four movies. 
And Vin Diesel famously wanted nothing to do with this installment of the Fast and the Furious. But after poor test screenings, Universal Universal basically begged him to make a cameo, and Diesel relented, but only if Universal gave him back the rights to the Chronicles of Riddick. Diesel produced and started in 2013's Riddick, and it was critically and commercially flopped. Wow. Yes. I forgot that tidbit that he only starred in a cameo at the very, very end where he talks about how he knew Han and it was only because he made a deal with them. He, I mean, allegedly, and this fuels back into the feud too, but allegedly he turned down like a $25 million deal to like do a spinoff, but he didn't want to do that because he wanted to do other projects. And Universal kept trying to make him stay in the Fast and Furious universe, but he kept wanting to get away, and this was one of the ways that they kept him around, was by giving him back the rights to Chronicles of Riddick. Which, by the way, he has a Dungeons and Dragons themed tattoo in Chronicles of Riddick. Is it real? Is it his own? No, no, no. He had fake, his his character has fake tattoos, and one of those tattoos is an homage to his, in real life, because Vin Diesel's a huge Dungeons and Dragons fan, to his character, like who he, his character is in Dungeons and Dragons. To share that, I think that's so strange. Do you think Vin Diesel loves Stranger Things? Oh, totally. <laughs> I think, I'm pretty sure, like, he, yeah, yes. All right. Paul Walker was not asked to return because they thought that he was, quote, unquote, too old. He would have been 31 or 32 at the time. <laughs> We're too Just old. Just to let you know. He's too fucking old. Some interesting tidbits about Tokyo Drift. Even though this was supposed to take place in Tokyo because of, like, the name and shit, it was actually shot in L.A. (laughs) And they flew in over 600 Japanese extras. Han dies in this one. Spoilers. Channing Tatum auditioned for a role. Unclear which one. Bow Wow, who is the sidekick and best friend to Sean when he moves to Tokyo. His name is, well, his name is actually Twink, but they call him Twinkie as, like, a part of an affection nickname. This is the best part, and then I'm going to circle back up to some... Plot points that I wanted to talk about a little bit more at length. Because MC Hammer partially funded Justin Lin's debut film, what? Better Luck Tomorrow. Hold on, there's more. This is all, And Better Luck Tomorrow is also a good movie. There are MC Hammer posters in the background of a lot of shots. This is supposed to be the year 2013. And there are MC Hammer posters in the background of a lot of shots. Margo, it's Hammer Time any, any year. Okay, to be honest, the cell phones are what really dramatically aged this movie for me. Everybody is filming on a Motorola Razor, and it made me crazy. They were filming, like, crazy stunts and, like, drifting and cars happening with, like, neon lights, and they're filming it on their little janky-ass Motorola phone. It made me crazy using, like, T9 texting. Like, let me text her. Ten minutes later. Sup, girl. Like, what is happening? Get that video. 25 minutes later, you've used all your data for the movie. And it's grainy as shit. Also, it's super fucking dark, so all you can see are, like, flashes of light rounding corners. It makes no fucking sense. (laughs) Anyway, um, when Sean gets shipped off to Tokyo, when he first meets his dad, his dad forgets that he was... It was actually sort of, to me, felt very much like Save the Last Dance. Where, like, him and his dad have, like, a distant relationship and his dad's kind of a shit. And he also has to sleep in a closet just like Julia Stiles kind of does in Save the Last Dance. There are lots of parallels, people. Lots of parallels. Because she also can't stay away from dance. But instead of it being ballet, now it's hip-hop. But instead of regular drag racing through a residential development construction site, it's Tokyo Drifting. (laughs) But anyway, Does we meet he his get d- into Juilliard for it, though? He, I don't know. There's not a lot of talk about college. 
All I know is that there are, like, lots of awkward scenes where he doesn't understand Japanese, where I'm like, yeah, no shit, but I thought this was, like, a military school where they also speak English. Like, is it, like, Okinawa or something, or is it just... No, it's Tokyo. Okay. Anyway, so when we first meet his dad, though, his dad's like, oh, I thought you were showing up on the 7th. He's like, it is the 7th. He's like, oh, well, you know, like, in Japan, we're, like, a day ahead. And as he's giving his son the spiel, some sex worker walks out, and he's like, okay. (laughs) I'm like, great! What a wonderful way. Another instance of Fast and Furious treating women right. But in the end, you know, he gets the girl, he wins the race, he becomes a great Tokyo drifter, but I mean, he becomes the DK, the Drift King, after he takes out the drug dealer who's also like in a semi-abusive relationship with Sean's love interest. Again, I don't know this actor's name. Don't look it up. Um, It's a pretty straightforward plot and... (laughs) This morning I got on Twitter and I was like, huh, I wonder why Bow Wow's trending. Did everybody else? I, saw that. I was like, did everybody else watch Tokyo Drift last night too? And it's, no, it's because he said some fuck shit about fucking Ciara. Ciara has like the shittiest exes between Bow Wow and fucking Future. Mm. Those two dudes, leave her the fuck alone. Like, I think Russell Wilson's pretty corny, but at least he's not a piece of shit. He doesn't treat her horribly. But yeah, he talks some smack about like how he had her first. It's just like some gross flex stuff. But mm. anyway. I was like, oh, so we're not talking about Tokyo Drift? Because I actually thought he was pretty good in it. He's essentially his same character from, like, Mike. He even sells <laughs> he even sells Jordans. His whole job at the school, at this private school, is that he sells people, like, bootleg tech stuff. So he sells them, like, shitty MP3s and cell phones and laptops and Jordans. Is this before or after Roll Bounce? There's, like, a roller disco movie that he, or hip-hop? I don't know. This was 2006. Yeah. I'm not sure when Roll Bounce came out. Okay. I feel like this might have been after Roll Bounce, but he also dropped the little for this movie, which I thought was significant. He's an adult now. I mean, that's all I have for Too Fast, or I'm sorry, for Too Fast, Too Furious, and for Fast and Furious, Tokyo Drift. So, with Justin Lin... Um, it's been, you know, they he continues to direct uh, these movies, so he goes into what's known as the soft reboot of the franchise, Fast and Furious. Some quick facts. Obviously, it was directed by Justin Lin. It quickly became the highest grossing film in the franchise and eventually grossed over $363 million worldwide. And uh, I was then surpassed by the following Fast and Furious sequel, which is Fast 4. Or I think I have all the domestic grosses. So, yeah, if you have international ones, have yeah. that. Or Fast what, 5, sorry. Fast and Furious, I think, domestically did $155 million, which is right. still, I mean, it's better. Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift did the worst. It is yeah. the worst performing, and it's the lowest, one of the lowest rated in the franchise. It is the lowest like, rated in the franchise. What's notable about all these movies that I will say is, like, the domestic takeaway is, like, good, but the international money that these make. I'm telling you, the racing is, I feel like a lot of action movies, like, Mission Impossible does amazing. All the Marvel movies do great. Internationally, like, action movies sell really, 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 really well. Really, really well. Yeah, no, Absolutely. Um, so this marks the real, like, kind of the real official return of Vin Diesel since the first movie, because he has a little cameo at the end of, of Tokyo Drift, but, um, this is, like, the first one he's really back in. Uh, Paul Walker's obviously back, as is Jordana Brewster and Michelle Rodriguez. Um, it currently holds a 28% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, that is the, that's lower rated than yeah. Tokyo Drift. And this one, and for, for reasons, I mean, there are some obvious reasons why this is the case. 
so uh, to go through the plot, okay, so Dominic and Letty and the whole crew, um, the of some some new people that they have taken on with them, obviously escaped the U.S. They are living in the Dominican Republic, and of course, their newest thing that they're doing high like high speed chase heists for is gasoline, because of course that's a ton of money and totally safe to try to <laughs> steal, right? Especially if you have NOS in, in your, your car. car, that's gonna go so well. Not gonna lead into some high speed chase where there's not a at all car crash with tons of explosions. Why would that ever happen of to you? Of course not. So later, Vin Diesel or like Dom is like, yo, I think the the cops are on to us. We need to disband. So Han is like, it's time for me to go to Tokyo, which is what sets up his plot throughout the rest of the movies and later in uh, Tokyo Drift. Um, and then uh, you have Michelle Rodriguez, uh, who Vin Diesel it decides to leave in the middle of not the night and without letting Letty know to protect her because he wants to make sure that they don't, you know, get hurt. Um, three months later, he's in Panama City. He gets a call from his sister Mia, and Michelle Rodriguez is has been murdered. So uh, Letty has been murdered, and this is within like the first fifteen minutes. Meanwhile, our friend uh, Brian O'Connor is back. He is a cop. He is in the FBI now, and he's investigating a drug dealer by the name of Arturo Braga. Of course, he's a drug lord. And what, of course, happens is that Vin Diesel is trying to figure out who killed Letty because she died, she was murdered. And basically, he finds the scene of the crime where she was essentially, someone crashed into her car, then killed her. And he finds that this one thing there, uh, I need to find that in my notes, he finds nitromethane, and of course, there's only one person in L.A. that sells that. Um, and of course, because in the Fast and the Furious franchise, people love to uh, attack people or strong-arm them into telling them shit by threatening them with car parts. I think in the first movie, someone almost chokes to death because of gasoline. I think like Johnny Tran like tries to choke someone to death or suffocate them with gasoline. In this one, they are about to, like... They attack people with rats. I yeah. mean, they do all sorts of shit. They one, mean, they beat the fuck out of Bow Wow in Tokyo Drift. Uh, it's, like, intense. So, anyway, of course, uh, Vin Diesel strong arms this guy into telling him that this the only person who uses nitromethane in L.A. is a 1970 driver of a 1972 Ford Gran Torino Sport. And the, the, he gives him the name... Oh, my God, is it Clint Eastwood? <laughs> Gran Torino? Uh, Which is a good callback because his stupid son is in this fucking franchise now. Gross. Ugh, well, luckily vanilla. he has a super minor part and his whole role is to get clowned on constantly. He's, he's just hot vanilla ice cream is really good. <laughs> so he's melting? He's melting. <laughs> he's melted ice cream. <laughs> but anyway, he gets the name David Park. So uh, our dear friends Dom and Brian have their meet cute. Uh, <laughs> in David Park's email, or David Park's apartment where Vin Diesel is dangling him by, or uh, Dom is dangling him by his feet outside of his window, and, and Brian's like, oh shit, come on, let's not do this. And basically gets um, David Park to be an informant for the FBI, and they get invited into a drag race, of course, which is where they're going to get to meet Braga, or they think they will meet Braga and be a part of his crew. So, of course, Dom and Brian are back together again. Meanwhile, Dom is, like, pretty much hiding from the law because he's, like, a fugitive. And they drag race, and they find out the winner of this race will get to be one of the members of the team that is doing a job where they're smuggling heroin uh, between the U.S. and Mexico border because, like, that's a reward, right? I mean, I guess... And that's a real job. Of course, of course. And this is where we meet a couple of people. We meet, obviously, one of uh, his associates who's played... Uh, her name is Giselle, and she is played Giselle Yasher. She's played by Gal Gadot. And this Wonder is Woman. Wonder Woman. This is her big first role. I 
believe in the U.S. and like in major movies. And they hired her for the franchise because she had been in the Israeli special forces, so she has like sick Krav Maga like skills. Yeah, which you later see in like you know later movies in Wonder Woman, obviously. So basically, Park. Oh, so so Lisa misses drag race. They get into the race. Vin Diesel wins, and Paul Walker is able to, or um, Vin Diesel wins the race, and Paul Walker is also able to be in uh, the the heist group or whatever because he uses the FBI connections to arrest one of the guys who basically looks like Cowboy Riff Raff. Do you remember Riff Raff? What was his name? Wasn't there like a rapper? That guy? rapper? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, from yeah. Spring Breakers? Yeah, it kind of looks like that. Anyway, so they're off to the heroine. Well, I mean, I guess the inspiration behind James Franco's character in Spring Breakers. Pretty much, pretty much. So they get to go into the trafficking. They're taken through a bunch of tunnels so that they avoid detection around the borders. And the team is intro to this guy named Phoenix, who's Braga's henchman. He drives a 1972 Ford Gran Torino Sport. So not Clint Eastwood. Of course not. <laughs> Brian finds out that, uh, meanwhile, that Braga has also ordered for the drivers to be killed after this whole thing. Um, and Uh-oh. meanwhile, Dominic confronts Phoenix about killing Letty. And shit ensues. And basically, um, at one point, Dominic has... Uh, let go of some of the NOS in the cars to make a huge explosion happen. They escape with someone's Jeep. They also save Gal Gadot's life in this whole thing, I think. Or no, no, no. That's Giselle! Later. Yeah, Giselle. And then later, uh, we they're brought to an area where they're going to finally meet Braga, and then they realize the guy they have as Braga is a fraud. Like, that's not the real dude, and that they pulled, and you're going to hate this, Margo, they pulled a Padme Amidala from episode one of Star Wars, and it's really right the right-hand man Campo. I don't we hate the intro- twist. I hate your reference. <laughs> we were introduced as, it's been the guy who's been around the whole time kind of making sure dun, all dun. these things happen. I mean, you could have said that they pulled a Kaiser Sose. I mean, you could have pulled yeah. a, you could have made a number of references. <laughs> but I chose Because that. this is a well-worn trope. But no, you wanted to personally attack me with your episode one fucking shit. <laughs> At least I didn't bring up some of the other characters. Oh, right? dear Lord. All I right. I say it. All right. Um, okay. So, in the meanwhile, during all of this, Vin Diesel, or Dom, is going through grief in some very violent ways. He <laughs> is not taking this well. He's not going through the stages as one should. Um, and in the midst of all of this, when he's looking through some of Letty's old things, he finds a burner phone and proceeds to call the one number in it. Turns out it's Brian's number. And Dirty Brian John. And is in the next room with Mia. And, uh, of course, they he beats the shit out of Brian for this. And we find out that Letty was, in fact, an informant who was just doing that in order to get Dom's Dom cleared. And so that Dom would be able to not be a fugitive anymore. Again, this franchise's precarious relationship with how sentencing and records work. No lawyers because were the years because I think it's it, you know it's Fast Six where they they discover Letty has amnesia, but they're racing to get immunity and like clear every time they're clearing the records they're racing and ostensibly racking up more charges to add to their record to then retroactively then erase their records. And I just want to let the Fast and Furious know, I don't fucking care about your criminal record. It clearly doesn't matter. Stop racing for your records. It's just, it's 
it's kind of fluff to the plot, really. It's a weird ledger line that we have to keep score of that I don't really care to keep score of. I mean, in of. so many ways, it's, like, the reason, obviously, that they were able to bring in The Rock yeah. as an FBI agent and all this other shit. And they have to have sort of, like, the authority. I mean, now they're part of, especially with, um, what's his face? He's married to Kurt Russell. <laughs> He's married to Goldie Hawn. He is now involved in the Fast Furious franchise, and he's, like, their FBI director. It really has taken an Archer-like turn, like the TV show Archer, the cartoon Archer, which makes sense because all of these spy game TV shows and movies have no choice but to operate within some degree of the law or at least have some sort of, like, fake sanction from them to say, oh, it's okay, we need bad to combat bad. It's sort of like they're the Suicide Squad in some ways. It's, yeah, I mean, I, I just want to map it all out at the end of the day. It gets to be because we have to add all these contexts to things, we then, that's how we introduce a new person. So this all culminates basically into a high-speed chase where they, because Braga escaped when they figured out the decoy thing, they go into a high-speed chase against him across the border. Several car crashes later, when they go through all those tunnels from the earlier uh, heroin heist, Paul Walker is in a car, is in a car crash. He, like this guy Phoenix crashes into him and Paul Walker is about to die because uh, Phoenix is like, has him cornered and is going to shoot him. Um, and of course, Vin Diesel comes racing through blaze of glory. And the guy, as Phoenix then takes away his gun from trying to shoot Paul Walker to shooting towards Dom's moving car that's moving at like a hundred and something miles per hour because that's going to work out really well. And of course, Phoenix dies and uh, Dom has avenged Letty's supposed death. And meanwhile, Vin, uh, Dom is arrested, sentenced to prison. But of course, at the end, Brian, Mia, and their friends intercept the prison bus to pull Dom out of the prison bus. And that's how we end Fast and Furious. I cannot listen to any more Daddy Yankee and Pitbull after this weekend. <laughs> or rap rock. Or new metal. Just really oh, I anything. forgot to tell you. So the initial race in Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift between Zachary Ty Bryan and the, uh, and the main protagonist, Sean, is set to Kid Rock's Ball with the Ba. The bang, the no. bang, boogie. Oh, and no. they play a good minute and a half to two. They almost play the entire fucking song, Emily. No. The entire song. No. Thank God. They're, I mean, they do also play the Barracuda from the five, six, seven, eights, which is also in Kill Bill. But mostly, the Kid Rock is very unforgivable. Mm-hmm. Too Fast, Too Furious at least had a couple of ludicrous rap songs to... I mean, there wasn't actually a surprising amount of... Pitbull, considering they were in Miami of all places, there was right. not a lot of Mr. 305. No, there should be more Pitbull. I think. More. I mean, he's already kind of a staple of the franchise, I feel like. I think yeah. Fast and Furious was the beginning of his contract with Justin Lin and the producers of this movie, apparently. Mr. Worldwide. Mr. 305, Mr. yo. Mr. 305. Um, Dale! Where did even... <laughs> God, I, I feel like at this point we have to go into the, the feud, which I'm not... I mean, let's easy breezy cover yeah, girl it, because just, as I started this, this feud boils down to two things. Men are bad at feuds. And, and But also to, like, another point, men writing about feuds don't know what shade means, so you guys need to, like, read up before you say that something's shade, because 99% of the article was not shade. I will tell you what was shade. Well, I have a note on that. And the two is... 
The Rock and Vin Diesel both think that they're the star of the fucking franchise. And to be honest, they're both fucking wrong. No one's the star of this franchise. They're all the star of this they're franchise. They're all the star of this franchise because hashtag fast family. And even though Vin Diesel turned down $25 million like do his own spinoff at some point in time, I understand why he would be annoyed that The Rock got his own spinoff. But, I mean, to The Rock's credit... He is very booked and busy. He is always a box office success. So he clearly is a pro and people like working with him or else they wouldn't keep giving him movies. Right, right. So them giving him a spinoff means that he just probably pitched it the best or worked. I just feel like The Rock is rewarded by hard work and I think he has been doing enough action movies to know what constitutes a compelling story. So I'm not, I think Hobbs and Shaw looks amazing. It looks so good and I think it's, a really good complimentary piece to the bigger universe of Fast and the Furious, and they now are going to have an animated series that basically is like Fast and Furious Spy Games or something, where it's going to be on Netflix. But this whole thing would have fizzled out and gone away if Tyrese wasn't a fucking pot stirrer to, like, the nth degree. All of his posts just made it more confusing and just kept adding fuel to the fire. And this franchise doesn't need any more PR. It's already really successful on its own. I like that the ammunition that Tyrese goes with is just excessive hashtag usage. Just a few highlights of the hashtags. Hashtag fast family. Hashtag my last post. Because that comes up (laughs) a lot. His his last post, there are like seven last posts. There are like six last posts. Hashtag original fast family. Hashtag Vin Diesel. Hashtag Paul Walker. (laughs) Hashtag... Roman Pierce, hashtag Rob Cohen. But you should read the throwback photo caption because it oh is really God. the only one. And, oh, yeah. And I feel like encapsulates Tyrese's very one-sided feud because if you'll notice, Vin Diesel and The Rock do not ever address him on IG. No. It all started because The Rock posted something about someone on the fast set being a candy ass. It essentially becomes confirmed at some point or another that, that he was talking about Vin Diesel. And he confirms this by saying they shot zero scenes together in Fast 8. And if you go back, you notice they share two scenes, one of which is the back of Vin Diesel's head, and that was confirmed by his stunt double was him and not Vin Diesel proper. So they have this whole sort of passive-aggressive and I would say one-sided Instagram fight because I don't recall Vin Diesel ever really addressing it outright. No. And then The Rock kind of like makes a few subtle jabs, but mostly it felt like the whole thing, and The Rock does clear up at a certain point. He's like, I love everybody. Everybody's great. I don't fight with anybody. Blah, blah, blah. It was a learning experience. But Tyrese keeps yeah. it going. Just one. And his post, this is, a, this is a sample post of one of the many posts that he wrote, and it's by far and away the funniest one. Diversity, love. <laughs> oh, this, by the way, this is a photo from the original Fast and Furious. So Tyrese isn't even in this photo. It's just the original cast from the first movie. Diversity, love, multi-ethnic, worldwide, multi-generational, United Nations, one race, which I think has t- is a double entendre, but Margot, I think, begs to I argue that Tyrese does not know how to make an intentional double entendre. <laughs> Fast family, dot, 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 until Dwayne, D-E-W-A-Y-N-E, showed up. I guess this whole time he had a problem because he wasn't the only one on the movie poster, dot, 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 dot. I guess dreams do come true. Congratulations to at HHGarcia41 and at The Rock. You guys are just amazing. You really broke up the hashtag fast family. I tried to warn you guys. You thought I was hating. I was simply fighting to keep the family together. What makes us great is when you see us all <laughs> together, all caps. We don't fly solo, dot, 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 hashtag my last post today. 
dot 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 i got three years of venting on this cloud they offered but you all cats didn't have to agree with us solo hashtag hobbs movie hashtag original fast family we salute you and stand on your shoulders hashtag vin diesel hashtag paul walker hashtag rob cohen hashtag robin tage we're offered a spin-off we turn it down this was just, it's so long why is it so long but there are so many essays that he wrote during this time and i gotta say like I don't want to hate too much on Tyrese because he was dealing with, like, custody battles with his daughter. And, like, right, no, and I honestly, I like, even wrote down, I was like, I commend someone who's committed to their pettiness. <laughs> but, like, and I do feel like this is the be- like, the strongest post you made. The one, the one other thing, I'm not going to read the whole post, but at one point... We don't have the time, I Emily. Right. I won't even go into it, but he just makes up with The Rock because he spoke to one of his, quote, associates today that he trusts. And he said he was going to delete it immediately after posting. But every post is like, we cool, we not cool, we cool. And they're like all photos of like him and either <laughs> The Rock and, Vin, and or Vin Diesel. And there is one where it's the three of them. And his caption said something to the effect of like, the man whose arm around my neck is real family. And the one standing apart is a lone wolf or like some <laughs> shit like that. And it was like Vin Diesel had him like sort of like in a friendly chokehold and the rock was like standing next to him like hey i'm the rock and it's like the three of them and everyone's smiling but no we gotta read into his fucking so body language petty. like he's an us weekly body language oh expert or gosh. some bullshit oh my god i'm crying so i will tell you if there is a winner to this quote-unquote feud because as i titled this section in my notes is ryan murphy presents season two of the feud the fast and furious franchise can you imagine though i mean it would just be one episode and we didn't even talk about michelle rodriguez jumping in and being like you guys treat women like shit okay bye the one like which by the way when i looked at the wikipedia page for the fast and furious franchise there is a greenlit women's only sort of like fast and furious expendables ladies expendables but fast and furious thing happening that's coming out in like 2021 or some shit and this movie is supposed to conclude in 2021 interesting justin lynn's gonna come back and direct the last two interesting so anyway back to my original point of if there was a winner to all of this i have to say it goes to vin diesel because he has the only true moment of shade that happens in this entire quote-unquote feud so during a Facebook Live Q&A Vin Diesel was doing, he addresses how The Rock ultimately joined Fast Five. And he says that it's because the fans really wanted it. And that initially, the role of that The Rock plays of Hobbs was going to initially go to Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> to be clear, Tommy Lee Jones is a good 15 to 20 years older than The Rock. You're trying to tell me... Crabby ass Tommy Lee Jones was trying to join Fast Five. College this is what you are saying to me right now. College roommate of none other than Al Gore. Yeah, Tommy Lee Jones, who looks like he never wants to be anywhere. Tommy Lee Jones, who shows up, to be fair, with his own sheriff's outfit to every movie set. But I just, I thought that that was the best bit of shade. It was like, oh yeah, I mean, like, whatever, fuck The Rock. Like, Tommy Lee Jones could have played his role. Like, what? <laughs> Those two would never be caught dead at the same fucking audition. What are you saying right now? It's insane. Hobbs and Shaw starring Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones and Jason Statham. At least Jason Statham is closer to Tommy Lee Jones' fucking age of 72. I mean, again, that no shade to Jason Statham, who's 52 and looks amazing. The Rock is also 47. None of these men are in the same category as Tommy Lee Jones. These are different movies. I think you're thinking of The Fugitive, which 
has already been made. Or Passenger 57, excuse me. Uh, I thought that was the best bit of shade. Congratulations to Vin Diesel. You are the true petty winner of this entire feud season two presented by Ryan Murphy. Good Lord. Well, that's the whole Fast and Furious, the original trilogy, and also how it pivoted and gave us the franchise that we know and love today. Emily and I are definitely going to see Hobbs and Shaw opening weekend. Yes. And look forward to enjoying many more years and many more spinoffs and more nonsensical Tyrese Instagram posts to come from this messy but lovable family who enjoys an ice-cold corona on a rooftop. While saying grace. Amen. And naming their baby Brian. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, naming a baby Brian is the same thing as naming a baby Karen. You're like, what? How'd that happen? Especially, like, after 1995. Yeah, like, who hurt you? Well, thanks for listening to our first episode of the second season. Uh, Uh, We're going to come back with a lot more episodes than last season to be a full disclosure on the map. We're going to come back with 14 episodes this season and a bunch of other mini episodes. And we're really excited for you guys to hear it. So make sure you follow us on Instagram at the old millennials pod. So, you know, when episodes are coming out and you can also bypass that whole thing. If you don't like following podcasts on Instagram, which like totally fair, you can just like, or subscribe. Don't like, cause this isn't fucking Facebook subscribe while wherever you listen to podcasts and also rate and review us because it helps other people find us. You can find your loyal hosts here, your family, your Corona loving hashtag drift family, <laughs> your hashtag diversity. No, we're very white. We're not, <laughs> but you can find us on Twitter. I am at Marg. She wrote, and I'm at Emily Bajan. And until next time, family, family. Bye. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.